What's up, everybody? On this episode of Brad and Will, we'll be discussing if the Rockets should tank for Victor Wimbignano next season in the draft, if Keegan Murray should be considered for the Rockets at pick number five this year, and who's going to win the NBA Finals. So stay tuned and find out. Let's get it. Welcome back to another episode of the Bright on Wood Show, episode Trace. How how you feeling today, Brad? Feeling good. Episode Trace, I like that. I like Trace. That. Yeah, it's Mother's <laughs> Day. Had to had to throw in a little something special for this episode. Um, I'm as usual. I'm one of your hosts, Will. You can find me on Twitter at Bias Houston uh, for all the Rockets content that you could ever want on Twitter. Um, and I'm passing with my brother Brad. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at Brado NBA, and of course the podcast on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Brado and Will. That's Brado A N D Will. And today we have some fun topics. Today, um, if you haven't known, there is a crazy prospect coming in 2023 named Victor Wimbenyama. The man is seven three with a seven nine wingspan. He's a center, and he is the definition of a cheat code to basketball. He does everything possible. And I was going to let Will discuss first if the Rockets should even consider tanking this upcoming year to put themselves in a position to draft Victor Wimbenyama. So, Will, what do you think about this topic? So, I'll set the stage, right? Um, 2021 draft, that was the draft with Cade, Jalen, uh, Mobley, Scotty, um, who went five, Suggs. Like, there was a bunch right. of, of like, after after the season's over with, all right, we we know that the guys who went to the top of that draft, even some guys, like, the latter half of the draft, like um, Chris Duarte, um, everybody's favorite player, Herb Jones, uh, Shingoon. Like, there's a bunch of people who like uh, fell in last year's draft. We're gonna look back on this 2021 draft class. And say like this is one of the the best, deepest draft class in a long time. In my opinion, there's a stark talent drop off between 2021 and 2022. I think the 2021 draft class, at least as of right now, obviously this is subject for change. You know, once these once the 2022 draft class. Um, comes into the NBA, you know, then they can start writing their own story. But as of right now, like going into the draft, I feel like, you know, I, I've, I've been saying for a while now, I feel like this draft is a little bit more underwhelming compared to, um, uh, especially like compared to last year's draft and even a couple of drafts before that. I feel like the 2022 draft class is eh, just a little bit underwhelming. It's not as not as many, you know, can't miss prospects um, in this draft class like there was in the last draft class. Like I, I feel like um, Kate, Jalen, and Mobley would all go number one without question in this draft class and you know that that's saying something so um but the reason I, I brought up that context though was because next year's draft the 20 was well, not next year but the year after that right 2023 that draft class is supposed to be like it's been we've been talking about this draft class for a while now. it's supposed to be a bunch of generational talents coming into that draft it's supposed to be one of the best draft class um in a very long time and i mean we, we the the big name at the top of course is victor Wimbayama, who um, I can't remember the 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 scouts off my head right now, but he was saying that like that's the the best um, prospect he scouted since LeBron James. So like you know this guy is supposed to be, um, you know the next league breaking talent, right? Um, but even when you go past him, there's still the uh, the Thompson twins who are really good. Uh, Scoot Henderson in the G League, you know he's a, another really explosive, can do it all point guard. I mean there's a lot of talent in that in that draft next year, um, and for that reason alone, there's a lot of reasons why. Um, tanking teams will probably be a little bit more motivated to ensure that they are in its best of a position to get one of those talent at the top of that draft. Um, and so this is kind of where my stance on the whole, uh, do we tank for Wimby 
or or not? What is that? You know, what do I feel in that? What do I fall on that side of that spectrum? Right. And I, I think I've been one of the biggest proponents of not. I want this Rockets team next year to be as good as they can possibly be. Right. I want my rotation to consist of um, of the young players. So that's, you know, the KPJ, Jalen, uh, KJ, the top five pick this year, Shingun, um, Knicks, Josh, maybe pick 17. I, I kind of hope that guy's more of, uh, of a wing, you know, so uh, a pick 17 or maybe if we trade up where whatever we whatever we t- cover comes out of that pick. Right. Um, Jay Shante and Garuba. And if you really want to, you can throw in Traveling Queen and uh, Bruno Fernando if you really want to. But like as long as that's the nucleus and the core moving forward um, for next season, which I think it will be. Um, I want that team to be as good as they humanly can, right? So if that results in us, which is like the most likely scenario, right? If you run a rotation that young and inexperienced, there's a bunch of just 19, 20, 21 year olds. If you run a rotation that young and inexperienced, you're going to lose a bunch of games. It's just by product, by virtue of of having that, you know, that little experience. And, you know, they were in high school two years ago. So like, you know, a lot of these guys, they're not ready to win consistently at the NBA level, right? So if running that lineup results in us being in a position to draft Wimby or Scoot or Thompson towards any of those guys in that next year's draft, I mean, that's fine. I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain. I'll be, I mean, I'll be ecstatic that we'll be able to add another young talented piece to, um, to our team. But the, the side of the spectrum that I'm on is I've always said, if you had a button, you could push, right. And one button, you push it. And we run that, like, obviously this is, we run that rotation of, of young players. I just said one button, you push it. And the Rockets are a bottom three team again. And we're, you know, at worst getting a top seven pick in next year's draft. Or you can push another button. And this button results in us being a playing tournament team with all the strength of our young players. Which which button would you push? I'm pushing the playing tournament button 10 times out of 10 times. And I'm not thinking twice about it. Right. For me, that tells me that if we're in a position to where in our second season of a rebuild, if we have amassed that much young talent, and you know they've, they've taken that big of a leap to where in one in two seasons, I'm sorry, that they're ready to to be competitive and be in the playing picture. That means we we that means we knocked every draft picks. We we that means we knocked Jalen Garuba, Shingun, the top five pick. We knocked all those guys out the park. That means KPJ, um, you know KJ Tay, the guys who were here before. That means that they've taken a huge leap as well. You know to to go from 20 wins to the 35, 40-ish needed to be in the playing tournament. That means we took a lot of large leaps from our young core. And to me, that's that's a massive W. That means that you, you're doing something right, um, that your rebuild is is, is working. Um, and, you know, that means we, we likely have a superstar in either Jalen Green, um, the top five pick, or probably even both. Like, to to go from where we were this year to that, it's a huge leap. So, for me, um, I do, I want the team. My, my, my goal for next season is just for them to go out there and put forth their best effort, right? I'm not a, I'm I'm a strictly, you know, anti losing games, right? I remember um, when we beat the 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 Trailblazers this year, the the, the G League Trailblazers, um, on back to back nights, everybody was saying things like, you know, the tank might be ruined, this, that, and the third. We gotta start benching these guys. I, I'm not I'm not on board with that, man. Let's let's put let's put our young uh, players in the best position to win. Put them out on the court, and if they are ready to win games and they're winning games. Let them, you know, I don't, I'm sorry if it's, I don't care if it's LeBron James in the next draft class, let them, let them boys go out there and hoop, you know, because I, the last thing I want us to do is hold back or somebody's development because we're trying to draft somebody else. And like, I think when Bayama 
is going to be a really good prospect. I don't think it's, you know, I don't think nothing's guaranteed with him yet, right? But, you know, he's supposed to be this this next big thing. But the, the scariest part and the difficult part about drafting is that nothing is guaranteed with it, right? Just because you have a top five pick or top three pick, that does not mean that you're guaranteed um, the also. Like a lot of times you look at all these drafts, sometimes the best player is not even taken in the top five, top 10. Like there, there's, there's talent all throughout the draft. And just because you have that top five, top 10 pick does not mean that your player is guaranteed to be uh, a superstar. So if my two options or I can guarantee my young core are superstars and they're good, the guys I have my roster right now, or I can, we can lose games, maybe hold somebody back, but we can roll the dice and see, maybe, maybe we'll get a chance at Wimbayama. Then maybe there's a chance that Wimbayama is the guy that we think he is. I, that math doesn't add up to me. So my, my, you know, I think realistically speaking, we're going to be bad no matter what we do. I mean, my prediction for next season I don't know about you, but 25, 27 wins, maybe 30 at the most. I think that's, you know, I think that's the most realistically speaking that we get. But if by the grace of God, somehow, some way that these guys are that far ahead of schedule, you will not see me talking about, well, let's, 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 you know, let's pump Jalen's minutes back. Let's, let's put out these, you know, these bad lineups so that we lose these games. Man, I, I'm not on board with that. I don't, I don't care if it's LeBron James in the next draft class. I'm, I'm never going to be on board we're losing. So, you know, my, my goal, my ideal world next year was that we're, we're not even bad enough to get one by Yama, but I know I'm going to be a little bit more realistic with that. So I don't, I don't know, but I'll pass up to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when it comes to Victor, we'll call him Wimby because that's what everyone yeah. calls him. So Wimby again, seven, three with a seven, nine wingspan. He's a center. Just for you guys to get a taste of how generational this guy is. He can shoot the lights out, take step back threes, has handles, plays defense like Rudy Gobert. There's an NBA scout that says, quote unquote, plays defense like Rudy Gobert, has the offense of Kristaps Porzingis and passes like Nikola Jokic. So he does literally everything, 17 year old kid, probably 18 now. And he's just generational. You don't see NBA players like that, at that size that have that skill set. So when it comes to tanking for a guy like him, you're gonna see NBA teams most likely doing that, especially in the stack class for next season. But as you've seen with the Rockets, two years in a row with the worst record in the NBA, last year, worst record in the NBA, got the second pick, this year, we'll see what happens come May 17th. But again, if they want to tank for Victor next season, there's only a 14% chance that they get the first pick in the draft. So is it even worth it to stall your entire season to try to get somebody that you only have a 14% chance to get, even if you're the worst team in the NBA? It's not worth it. Uh, the Rockets just need to go out there and develop the guys. That's always been my mindset with the Rockets. You, you had Tillman Fertitta say, this year, I expect the Rockets to win more games. And then come that next year, you know, we expect to do something big in the offseason. So for this upcoming year, he expects the Rockets to improve from 20 wins. And if they do that, then good. Realistically, because the new lottery, you know, odds are so different, they could still have a chance to get Victor Wimbanyama. You know what I'm saying? So there's no point in just tanking to try to get a player in a draft, especially with these new this new lottery system. The Rockets just need to go out there, do what they did last season. They'll be a little better because they have an extra year of gelling in an offseason together. Just go out there, develop the young guys, and just see what happens. But yeah, Will was saying, I don't care if you know LeBron James is in this draft. And I'm sure people will say, whoa, like if LeBron's in the draft, like you, 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 of course you're supposed to tank. But again, with these, this lottery system, it's not that easy. You know, if this was the NFL and if you're the worst record in the NBA, or in the, yeah, if it's like the NFL and you're the worst record in the NBA, then okay, yeah, then you tank for LeBron James-esque players. But this is not the case. It's very hard to get the first pick in the draft in the NBA. So it's not worth it. But Victor, he's going to be a special talent. I know a lot of people are not familiar with him because he's playing over in France right now. We'll see where he plays next year. He might be in the G League. We'll see. But, yeah, that kid is generational, but the Rockets just need to focus on themselves, focus on developing 
and just keep doing what they've been doing. So we're, we're definitely on the same page in that regard. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted to add something too, right? So um, as far as like what I meant by the losing aspect of it, right? I, I, I thought of like when you were talking, I thought of a perfect example of what I do not want us to do, right? The OKC Thunder, right? Because let, let, let me let me backtrack, right? The Houston Rockets this year, we won 20 games, but we had um throughout those season, we had a healthy amount of vets who played with our young players. You know, uh Eric Gordon got some burn, Christian Wood got some burn if you consider him a vet. Um David Nawaba played when House was here, he played for a little minute. Um Daniel Thais, when he was here, he played for a little minute. Then we got Dennis Schroeder at the uh the trade deadline, he played. Um, and then towards the end of the season, we shut all those vets down. And just gave complete control to the team uh, of the team to the young players, right? Which I which I was a huge fan of, right? But then there's a team like OKC. They didn't have vets this year. They didn't they didn't have uh, Eric Gordon. They didn't have uh, a Christian Wood. They didn't have anybody like that on their roster. And at the end of the season, they shut down their young core to lose games. That is a horrible idea. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a general manager. I'm not I'm not qualified to speak on you know what goes on in a in a locker room or you know in a front office, but to me, that just for a team that you're trying to build, um, you know, a, a, a young core in the future, that just, I mean, that's just horrible to me, man, that, that you're going to shut down your building blocks because you want to increase the ping pong balls that you have in the draft. Like, like Brad alludes to, this is a great point that I, I should have brought up, but like, well, this new lottery system works. I mean, somebody can fact check me if I'm wrong, but I want to say that the team who, under this new lottery system, the team who's finished with the worst record has never gotten pick one. Never. It's never. never. So never so we could we could go zero for 82 next year and still miss out on win by Yama. Like that's 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 how it works. And like conversely, um, you could you could be, you know, as long as you're a lottery team, you could still jump in and get that um that number one pick. You know, there's not it's not like if you're not the worst team in the NBA, you're disqualified from being that you get number that, that's not how like the, the numbers work. Like there's a world where we were we were fortunate last year where we were the we were the worst record we ended up with number two. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock on wood here, God forbid. But there's a world we end up with pick five this year, even though you know we were the worst record. I mean, the, yeah, the worst team, worst record in the NBA. There's a world where we end up with with just pick five, you know, and that's that's all you have to show for it. And then I hate to say it, but there's a world where OKC jumps us, you know what I'm saying? Because after what they did, so for me, it's like I, I'd rather just. I'm not a fan of well, like I said that what OKC did this year you know Sacramento kind of did the same thing I'm not a fan of shutting down your young players your young talent you know in a, in a rebuilding team because you want to get extra ping pong I'm not a huge fan of that um and so I, I would I would probably uh throw up in my mouth if, if next season they bench Jalen Green or like KPJ or Shingoon to try to get an extra ping pong that would that would that would uh frustrate me but um you know I, I'm just like I said I'm just a huge fan of just putting our young core in a position to where they can be as successful as they can possibly be and we're, I'm living with the results of that. So if that means we win 25, 27 games and we're the fourth worst team in the NBA, I'm just throwing it out there. Like, I'm cool with that. If that means we we win 19 games next year and we, we lose games from, you know, from this year, I mean, I, I would hope that we're not as we, – we would improve. But, I mean, if that's if that's the best effort, I'm cool with that too. Like, I just want what the team to do the their best effort and then live with the draft implications of that. But – so I want to add to that. We can move on to the next topic if you're ready. Yeah, I'm definitely ready. And I definitely agree with everything you just said. The Rockets don't need to be tanking for somebody within this new lottery system. I think we're on the right page there. So yeah. for the next topic, there's an NBA draft prospect named Keegan Murray out of Iowa. 6'8", 6'11", wingspan, 225, three or four guard or three or four forward. Um, really good player. Um, when you look at the Rockets potentially falling to the fifth pick in the draft, that's the worst they can get under the lottery. 
you know, the Rockets, you know, people are going to say they should probably select Jaden Ivey if he's there, maybe Shaden Sharp. But Keegan Murray is a guy who would be a really good fit for the Rockets, and we wanted to discuss him at pick number five because that's not somebody who's brought up often. Even A.J. Griffin, a guy out of Duke, 6'6", six, six, a seven-foot wingspan, uh, small forward is a guy who's brought up. Me personally, I don't like A.J. Griffin because he's not there defensively. If you haven't seen the defensive taste on him yet, I recommend you go check him out. But as for Keegan Murray, really good prospect. Will is extremely high on him. I wanted to let him get off his thoughts on Keegan Murray first, and then I would discuss. But go ahead, Will. What do you think? So if the Rockets, um, you know, like I said, like Brad said, the worst with, with the new lottery system, how we finish with the worst record in the NBA uh, this season, the worst pick we can get this season is pick five. Now, like I said, knock on wood, God forbid. I surely hope we don't fall past pick three. I would be. You know, I, I mean, I, it's not the end of the world if this happens, but I'm going to be pretty upset if we don't at least get the third pick in the draft. Um, but, you know, let's let's say worst case scenario happens and we we get pick four, pick five. Right. The the next two prospects there are um, the Shaden Sharps and the Jay Nivey's. I, I'm, 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 I'm cool with Shaden Sharp uh, coming to the Rockets. It's not my it wouldn't be my first, second or third choice. But I mean, I, that's that's a ain't a bad consolation prize at pick four. I'm not a huge fan of Jay Knight. I don't know if we talked about this on the pod yet, but I, I think he's going to be a great player. Just I just don't see it in Houston, right? Like the, if you look at the one thing we have an oversaturation of, it's guards. We have KPJ, we have Jalen, we have Knicks, we have Josh. Um, you know, we have a bunch of guards and, you know, mo- honestly, the only one on this team who's, who's a technically a true point guard is is Knicks, right? So to bring in another guy who, who I think is more shooting guard than point guard anyways, if I'm replacing the KPJ experiment, I want to replace him with a guy, you know, like Scoot Henderson, who's who's a true point guard, who's been playing this position his whole life. That's you know, that's what he does. To me, Jaden Ivey is closer to shooting guard than he is point guard. And I mean, I I just have no, uh, no, no desire to introduce a third. You know, that wouldn't be a third. It would be a, a fifth um, um, prospect who's not really a, a point guard on this team. Right. I'm, I'm good on that. So. Um, if we were in a position where, you know, we can't get um, the Ben Caros, the Jabari, the Shed, or the Shaden Sharp and Jaden Ivey's on the board, I'm not going to lie to you, bro. I'm I'm, I'm, in, I'm in favor of us trading down from that pick and trading down to whatever pick we need um, to go get a guy like Keegan Murray, right? Get a collect an additional asset along the way and get a guy who, yeah, Keegan Murray is not projected to be as good as Jaden Ivey is, I wouldn't even say Keegan Murray is going to be a superstar, right? Like um, he's, he's going to be a high end role player, but like those are, you know, high end role players, one get paid, but two, they're extremely valuable to any contender, right? If you have a guy, um, I wish I could think of a name on top of my head right now, but just like a guy who's, you know, that high end role player who can compliment your team really well, do uh, come with your superstars really well and do with you know the the, the dirty work that they they don't want to or can't do right like a Mikael so, Bridges is perfect yeah, yeah yeah I mean yeah I I didn't want to throw out the Mikael Bridges I, I know they said he's he's not the the best the you know the the one to one comp for uh the Keegan right. Murray but 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 somebody filled that role for us right mm-hmm. and so you know he's Keegan Murray is six eight I believe it was like a six eleven wingspan exactly um, he uh, Brad have me out here how much he's shooting for three this year is it what it's what close to thirty nine percent yeah he's shooting thirty nine point eight percent on four point seven attempts a game so really good shooter from deep really good shooter you know has the good size with 210 220 um you know he's he's a great defender extremely versatile at that wing spot you know he won't be able to go out there and lock up you know Steph Curry Damian Lillard but um the opposing team's best wing player he should be able to you know, put forth his best foot in guarding that person. And then obviously he can shoot threes. And like, for me, 
if you are at that size and you can play good defense, play borderline elite defense, and you can shoot threes, there's a place for you on all 30 teams in the NBA. There's not a single team rebuilding, contending in the middle of that pack. You could you could go to any team in the NBA and get paid on any team in the NBA. So, like, I, I think when you have that versatility to play the three, play the four, um, guard as many players as he does, shoot the ball as much as he does, and he slots in perfectly what we're trying to do here. Um, we, you know, we uh, it, let's let's say worst case scenario, we end up with uh, with Keegan Murray in this draft, right? We could run a lineup of KPJ at the one, Jalen at the two, uh, Keegan at the three, KJ at the four, and Shingun at the five, and like that's a I don't know about you, Brad, but that's a that's a solid like starting five moving forward for next. I would season. love that. I yeah, love I would I I would not complain at all. I mean, I obviously I would I would hate that we missed that on a top three pick, but I would not be mad at all with the Keegan Murray uh, pick. You know, they've been comparing him to. Um, you know, the Harrison Barnes, the Otto Porters, I think he'll be better than than both of those guys. But I mean, those those are two names that were like Harrison Barnes was super duper important um to that Warriors team that eventually did win the championship in 2015. And he was important for them in their title runs up until the, you know they ultimately traded him for KD. But um, you know, an Otto Porter, it, he hasn't been he's not as good as he once was, but I mean, shoot it. I reckon if he's on the Warriors right now too, and he's been super duper important for them off their bench, right? Now, like I said, I think he'll be a lot better. Um, than those two guys. So, yeah, sign me up for uh, a guy at that size, that weight, who can, you know, what his skill set. That, that's that's perfect for what we need here. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to Keegan Murray getting drafted at five, I think there's a couple of different variables to look at. So you're going to look at, of course, the top three guys going in order of, or not in order, but any variation of Paolo, Chet, and Jabari. So then you're going to have Shaden Sharp, Jaden Ivey, and then maybe Keegan. So say Shaden Sharp gets picked fourth, then the Rockets are looking at a BPA of Jay Nivey. But as Will said, Jay Nivey isn't really the best fit on the Rockets. And I have to agree with that because Jay Nivey is a really good player. He could be an all-star player for years to come. But with the Houston Rockets, I don't know if that's the best fit. It's because he's more of a combo guard. He doesn't have a lot of point guard tendencies, in my opinion. He can develop those, yes. But as of right now, that's not what I see in Jay Nivey. He's more of a shooting guard to me. So if that's the case... And Jay Nivey is there at pick five. The Rockets can really trade down and, you know, get Keegan Murray. That's That would be the avenue that I would explore if that was the case. Now, if Jay Nivey gets picked fourth and you have the option of picking Shaden Sharp and Keegan Murray, I'd take Shaden Sharp personally, but I'll get into that in another podcast. But in this scenario, that's when Keegan Murray could get picked at number five. And a little breakdown on Keegan Murray. Again, one of the best scorers in college basketball this past season. Averaged 23.5 points a game. Again, shot 55.4% from the field, 398 from three, 4.7 tips a game, as I mentioned. So really good shooter. And he has a lot of pluses that the Rockets could benefit from. The Rockets, again, first in pace last season, Keegan Murray shot 73% in transition. Uh, when you have a guy who needs to cut all the time uh, with Shane Goon on the court, Keegan Murray is your guy because he shot 63% on cuts this season. Really good as well. And then he's also the best post player in the country in college basketball. I know he's 6'8", a small forward, so he won't be posted up a lot. But with the Rockets offense, you see Jay Sean Tate getting post looks. So Keegan Murray can be a guy that gets those post-up looks for the Rockets. And then he also averaged 2.9 offensive rebounds a game. So Keegan Murray, that's a guy who can really help the Rockets out offensively. And I haven't even spoken on his defense yet. This is a guy that's extremely versatile, can guard threes and fours. He's not the quickest to guard ones and twos just yet, but he can definitely get there. And to speak on his versatility a little more, 1.9 blocks a game, 1.3 steals a game. So Keegan Murray, all-around player, had a great year at Iowa this past season. I could really see the Rockets picking him at number five. You know, if Jay Nivey gets picked fourth, uh, it would be between him and Shaden Sharp. Uh, but I can really look at Keegan Murray as a potential trade-down candidate for the Houston Rockets. But I would love his fit in Houston. Really good player. 
And, you know, the Rockets would need that size. And as Will said, he would fit perfectly next to, you know, KJ Martin, you know, Shane Goon, you know, KPJ and Jalen Green. That'd be a good core to build around. But I know we all like to say KJ Martin get thrown in the starting lineup. We still, he still has to pass uh, Jay Sean Tate in that. Yeah. Area, but. I don't. I don't think uh, can they start next season. I, yeah, I we all betting, say that. We can't just assume yeah, them. Yeah. No, nah, if I was a betting man, take on start. But, yeah, you know, I yeah. want to bring – oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm going to cut you off. Yeah, yeah, I know. Everyone keeps saying, oh, KJ is in the starting lineup. I see all the predictions for next season. And even Shane Goo in the starting lineup. Like, the Rockets still have Jason Tate and Christian Wood. We cannot forget about those things. I am still very confident that Christian Wood is going to be on the Rockets next season. Do I want him on the Rockets next season? No, but I'm sure he's going to be there. And uh, same with Jason Tate. I can't see him getting moved down from the starting lineup. But, you know, KJ Martin and Shane Goon, that's the guys people are looking at to start for the Rockets in the future. And as for these prospects we're looking at, Keegan Murray is a good fit, you know, with the rest of the young core that we talked about. But, yeah, go ahead, Will. What did you want to add? So, I had two points. Um, one, um, I, I, I shout out my man Don, Don Knock. You know, we, we, we kind of see eye to eye on a lot of things. And one thing that we've both been pretty big on, this was like something dating back to even like last year's draft, right? is the Rockets haven't had a true small forward on this team since Trevor Ariza left back in 2018. Right. We haven't had the, – the closest thing to a small forward we had was, what, James Ennis that one that one time. I mean, Daniel House, I guess, kind of qualifies. But even then, I really wouldn't say we – haven't, we haven't had, like, that true, like, 3 and D wing that every team needs to be successful since Trevor Ariza left. And you know what's crazy, Will? I wanted to say yeah. the one 3 and D wing that we did had have had to play center. Robert yeah, Covington. Five. Yeah, Robert that was Covington the one guy. Five. Yeah. And you know, I was he was somebody who I wanted for like years on the Rockets. Like I, I was I was uh I wanted him back on this team after we after we did we trade him or did we just let him go? How did he get to Philly? Who who's that? Uh Rocco. Yeah, I, we I, traded him to um the Trailblazers, remember? For those no 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 picks. I'm talking about um way, way back in remember because he we drafted him, remember? Oh way Robert Covington. Oh, I thought they got him as an unrestricted free agent. Because oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe that. I mean, I don't know. But, but all I know is he was on our G League team at one point in time. Right. Ended up in Philly. I wanted him back very badly when James Harden was here. I thought he would have fit in, per- fit in perfectly um, with, with um, you know, what we were running, uh, you know, under that D'Antoni system. But like I was saying, like, we haven't – the closest thing we had to a small four, I guess, was James Ennis, Daniel House. And then like, like Brad said, like Robert Covington would have been a perfect – player for that spot but we were running super duper small ball so he was playing the four and the five um in certain lineups you know so we never really had um we haven't had a true small four like last season our small four rotation consisted of eric gordon and garrison matthews both who in my opinion are shooting guards so we need we need like i i am begging pleading i really really wanted um trey murphy last year that was a guy who i was super duper high on i thought he would have um fit in perfectly here um with the rockets um, so this year, I think even if we don't end up with the Keegan Murray, um, which I like I said, my 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 ideal scenario is we don't. I, I I hope that we end up with a top three pick and not Keegan Murray. But, um, you know, worst case scenario, right, we end up with him. I mean, that's fine. But even if we don't end up with Keegan Murray, even if we draft, um, you know, a Ben Carroll, the Shets, the Jabaris, I want pick 17 to be um, some sort of wing. Right. We, we need somebody, some size, some, you know, with an athleticism at that small forward spot especially considering that Eric Gordon probably won't be on this team next year. And I don't know about you, but I, you know, I like Garrison Matthews. I think he was, he kind of changed and kind of saved this season, but 
I don't want to see 82 games of him starting at, at small forward next season. I'm, I'm good on that. So um, that was point one. And then point two, I was going to ask you a question um, that uh, I'm just shouting everybody. So shout out Jada, right? Jada, um, he, he, he brought, brought up a really interesting point to me the other day. And he was saying, how many teams would Jaden Ivey be a good fit on, right? Because if you look around the NBA, especially the teams who are, um, especially the teams who are going to be in the lottery, right, in the position to draft them, most of these teams have what they believe to be their point guard moving forward, right? Um, Houston, we have KPJ. Um, I know everybody's not the highest on him. Um, I'm, I'm pretty high on KPJ, and I think the organization is also very high on him. So I don't anticipate, you know, we 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 told John Wall to go home for KPJ this year. So I don't think we're in any any rush to move on from him at that point guard spot, especially considering like towards the end of last season, he showed us like flashes of what he can be at that position, and it, it's it's really um exciting, right? So I I think KPJ at least for next season has that position on lock. Um, then you go and look at like Orlando, right? Orlando has too many guards, right? They have the Cole Anthony's, uh, the Markel Fultz, um, Jalen Sutherland just drafted last year, who you know had a, had a rough start this rookie year. I just and RJ Hampton makes... as well. Yeah, RJ Hampton. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Yeah. RJ Hampton. I forgot about him. Right? It <laughs> yeah. just doesn't make sense to me for Orlando to add what will be a fifth guard to that. Like, there's only so many point guard shooting guard minutes to go around. They already got a bunch of guys on that roster. Who I, I don't know about you, but I think Cole Anthony's a really good player. So yes, he um, yeah, yeah, Cole Anthony's really good. So like I, you know, I don't know if it makes much sense for them there. Detroit has Cade, um, and you know, and Killian. You know, I don't know how they can kind of balance that, uh, point guard, shooting guard kind of feel. But I mean, if I was Detroit, uh, Cade would be my point guard moving forward. In which case, I mean, maybe if you want to run Jaden Ivey at the two, in which case I would love that fit a lot. But if you're trying to run him as a point guard, I I don't I don't see it with him um in Detroit um and then OKC right OKC is the last team right they have SGA and they have Giddy and then they have they have Trey Mann off the bench right so that's that's another team with with three guys who can you know run the combo guard one two spot um you know have a bottom potential moving forward I don't know if it makes much sense for OKC um to get you know to get them so there's not that many and that's 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 just the, like the, the bottom feeder teams if you go to like even like the midsection teams the the Kings the Spurs um, the Cavs, like there's a lot of teams that just didn't make the playoffs this year who would not want Jaden Ivey either. So like, I, I mean, I, I, and this is just me speculating, obviously I'm not no GM or nothing, but my question to you was, can you think it's any teams that would be like, all right, Jaden Ivey is our guy. We're like, we're excited. We're, we're looking to get him in this draft. Cause I can't think of too many. Detroit for one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you have a guy like, yeah. When you have a guy like Kay Cunningham, you just get another guy who's ball dominating and create. Kay Cunningham was double teamed more than any player, I think, in the NBA last season. It was pretty crazy as a rookie. So getting another guy who can ball uh, as a ball handler, he's really good on the pick and roll, would be good for Detroit. Outside of them, I mean, look, the NBA is a guards league, so a lot of teams have guards nowadays. So when you're at the top of the draft, I don't know if a lot of guys are looking for a Jaden Ivey. You know, I'm looking at more teams looking for like a, a forward or a big off the top of my head. There's probably, you know, there's definitely more teams that would draft Jay and Ivy, but off the top of my head, Detroit is the one that comes to my mind. So, yeah, and the Rockets are another one of team, another one of those teams that fits in that category that they don't really need a Jay and Ivy. They have too many guards, as Will pointed out. So, yeah, and I wanted to touch on another thing you said, Will. The Rockets really haven't had three and D wings for a long time, and the last time the Rockets had a top five defense wow. is when they had Four years. Trevor Reza, PJ Tucker, and Bob Mute. Guys who play really good defense at the three and the four. You know, the Rockets have a lot of defensive issues, as we all know. But it would definitely help having some three and D wings out there that could just guard any position on the court. So we could start with a guy like Keegan Murray, potentially if they fall to five, 
or any one of these guys, you know, like a Jabari Smith, you know, just, or maybe at pick 17, that's when we can address that. But yeah, the Rockets can see some three and D wings. And last thing I'll touch on that topic, Trevlin Queen, again, amazing year last year with the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, MVP, led the league in steals, really good shooter. A guy I would love to see get a chance on the Rockets this upcoming year. But we'll see. We, we know how that goes. It's, it's difficult on the NBA roster. It's different than the G League. But he played so well. It's hard to just say, like, wow, like, is he not going to work out in the NBA? It happens all the time. Yeah. But I, I would love to see him get a chance, honestly. He so. was a monster last year. Yeah, he was a monster. So I want to add one last thing because I think I came off like I was hating on Jaden Ivey, right? No, so you weren't. You weren't. You're good. The, 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 the teams that I think would, like, I think Jaden Ivey needs to go somewhere where he doesn't have to play point guard. I, I, I think right. he needs to go somewhere – where he can play shooting guard and he can just focus on um, scoring and, and doing what he does best. He doesn't have to worry about running an offense, none of that good stuff. Go somewhere where he has an experienced player. Or not, I would say an experienced player, but somebody who who's native to that position, right? So, yes, Detroit would be one of my two options. I think him and Cade uh, – I don't, I, don't, I don't really like him. I'm trying to run Cade as a shooting guard and Ivy run the one. But if Cade runs the one, Ivy runs the two, I'm, I'm cool. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a nice backcourt. Um, in the other location, I think this is like a perfect, like, couldn't get better fit for, like, if I was Jaden, this is where I'd want to go. I want to go to Indiana, right? You play next to Tyrese Halliburton in that backcourt, a guy who is probably one of the most, if not the most underrated um, playmaker in the NBA right now. The dude can put up a double-double in his sleep, real efficient, um, low turnovers, all that good stuff. Um, if, if you know, if I'm Jaden Ivey, I'd want to go there and, you know, team up with, with Ty- Tyrese Halliburton in the backcourt. I think that's a... Um, a great a great location for him so um if anything else i'll move on to the next topic yeah last team i will say came to me the washington wizards that's the team if they somehow oh. jump to four or five they don't have a guard like you know they're, they're so they, they got they, they got they nothing got. they yeah. if i'm if if i'm washington i have nothing so yeah you're right like if if i'm them i mean bradley bill's a free agent right he's gonna be a free agent this year he is but you know bradley i, th- bill, I think he can opt in but yeah yeah i think he's gonna stay but we'll see. That's an interesting guy. I would have got out of there by now. But to each his own, I respect him for staying with his franchise, you know, better than James Harden. But <laughs> we'll move on from that topic. Our next topic was actually going to be about the playoff predictions. And speaking of James Harden, you know, he's had an interesting playoff so far. Um, his team right now is down two to one and to the Miami Heat. And there's a lot of good series out there. Will, I wanted to get your opinion on who you thought could come out of the East, who can come out of the West, and who is ultimately going to win. We discussed it on the first podcast. We were in the first round of playoffs then. A lot has changed since then. So I wanted to get your new input on playoffs. So um, as far as like my my finals coming out, these come out the West, nothing's changed for me in that department, right? I still have um, Golden State. Um, and Milwaukee coming out and, and meeting each other in the finals. And I think Milwaukee wins in like six or seven, right? That's my prediction um, for this series. But uh, as for Golden State, you know, one thing that we always get on them about is this seems like they always have the 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 easiest way to the finals, man, because it just came always. out today that uh, that um, John Morant, you know, he had that um, – by the way, Brad, do you think that was a dirty play between um, – uh, When he John came Gordon out – when he came down and grabbed his knee, yeah, he like grabbed his knee and then pushed his back, so it was, was kind of weird. You know, everyone will, will tell you it's a dirty play, but I will give Jordan Poole the benefit of the doubt only because I can't see a basketball player just literally sitting there and grabbing somebody's knee unless it's like Draymond Green. Jordan Poole doesn't seem like that kind of guy. I watched it at first and I was like, no, they need to suspend him. But I sat there and thought about it, like, no basketball player is literally going to grab somebody's knee 
and just turn it like that is absurd yeah it was too it's too split of the moment for me to yeah think, in this moment i'm gonna try to but i i don't care i'm, I'm not i'm not passing up an opportunity to uh to slander the golden state warriors so i like that I like um that. but yeah but john moret's not gonna play or at least he's not supposed to play in game four obviously that could change in right. between today and tomorrow but he's not supposed to play um in game four and Without John, I mean, the, the Grizzlies were one of the teams who had a really good record without John Morant. But I mean, this is the playoffs, it's a different animal. They got beat by 30 with him, um, last game, so I don't imagine it gets much easier without Josh. So, you know, I'm, my prediction is that Golden State wins, um, tomorrow, go up 3 1, and then I, I, I don't see Memphis having the, the experience to pull off a 3 1 comeback, but um, so yeah, I, like I said, I still have Golden State. Um, getting rid of Memphis and, and going to the NBA Finals. Um, Phoenix just lost to Dallas today, right. and um, I don't know how you feel on this, but I'm probably one of the only Rockets fans who is not rooting for Phoenix. I'm, I'm I want to see Dallas win this series. Um, I want to I want to see Luca um, go on in, in the playoffs. I, I I mean I don't I don't have nothing against Chris Paul. I'm just personally rooting for um, Dallas, but yeah, I, I think you know, they tied the series up today. Um, it, with the way you know, I, Dallas had a were really hot today, and Phoenix was kind of really cold. So, I don't know if it's set in stone that Dallas is gonna you know take the momentum of this series and just ride ride it all the way out to the end. I think Phoenix is gonna punch them back um, next game. So, I, I still have Phoenix winning this series ultimately, but I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm still rooting for Dallas to pull it off. Um, out east, you got uh, Boston and Milwaukee, and I'm, I'm actually I'm drawing a blank here. It's two one, right? It is two one. Yes, two one. Yes. Okay, yeah. so two one, two one. Uh, Milwaukee's up. That was a close game yesterday. That tip uh, at the end was crazy. Just split they, second, too late. Yeah. Boston had like so many opportunities at the end with like I was like two or three uh, Grant Williams offensive rebounds. So they just messed up. Yeah. Um. You know, to to, to like put the game away. So I mean, but bottom line is that those, those every game they've played for the most part has been pretty close until the very end. Um. And you know these two teams have been scrapping and fighting the whole time. So, um. You know, as much as I think Milwaukee's going to win, I would not be shocked at all if Boston wins uh, game four, ties the series up. And, I mean, it wouldn't even shock me if they win the series, right? Boston has been um, – my I was definitely sleep on them um, coming into the, the place. I, I had I had Brooklyn beating them um, in the first round. And I mean, I couldn't have been more wrong about that. But, um, yeah, so, like, you know, they've they really shocked me with how well their defense has been, how well they played as a team. and. Uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have been ho- pooping out of their minds right now. Marcus Smart's been playing some really good defense. Grant Williams has been playing some really great defense. Um, you know, it's it's been um, a, a team effort from start to finish. Um, and so it wouldn't shock me if they pulled it off, although I'm I, I'm still going to go Milwaukee. And then speaking of, like, team effort, team, you know, team um, winning, right, Miami, they're about to play um, in a couple minutes. And, you know they uh they're currently still up two is it two one right or two one again I'm, correct yeah. two one okay so two one uh for Philly and and Miami right now obviously Joel and beat did not play in those uh the, the two games that my I mean that Philly did lose and the one game that he did play is the one game they won right and I believe he's playing tonight so they're looking to tie the series up I mean this this is how it goes with every postseason game but even more now like this is a must win game for Philly. Um, Because you do not want to go down 3-1 against this Heat team. One thing I really admire about um, the Miami Heat and, you know, Eric Spolster, Pat Riley, you know, the way that organization is ran is they have a culture. They, You know what I'm saying? There's an expectation. um, There's a standard over there. You're going to be in condition. Like, I I, I don't know how true this is, but I heard stories that they, like, 
they check your weight over there. They check your body, you know, body fat. All the like, I know they're like super duper like heavy on conditioning and being in shape over there, in Miami. So like, yeah, they have a you know a culture um, set up over there. Um, like, so one thing I really like about them is their their identity, their their culture is that they're gonna go out there and they're going to outwork you, um, play hard defense. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a superstar player like Jimmy Butler or if you're a minimum contract role player like Gabe Vincent. You're going to go out there, you're going to give 110% effort, and if you don't, you're not going to play. Um, and I, I really respect that. That's something that I, I you know, the, the San Antonio Spurs, the the Warriors, the Heat, you know, teams like that who have been able to find success for over a decade now. That's something that I hope the Rockets are, you know, soon to start implementing with us is that, we, you know, we, we we find an identity, we find a culture, and we we stick to it, we build from it. And it doesn't matter if, you know, if it's Jalen Green or if it's Dacian Nix, right, where there's an expectation, there's a standard, and we're getting the most out of all of our players, not just our superstar players, right? So um, Miami's done a really good job of, you know, of upholding their their culture and their standards, and it's paid dividends, right? You know, they're they're the definition of the sum of their parts because I would, you know, as far as, like, star power goes, they're not the, the most star-studded team, but they're still a really deadly team. Um, and, you know, even though Philly has on paper the more, like, way more star talent, I am not confident at all that they're going to um, win this series. So, um, you know, Hopefully, you know, I'm 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 still kind of somewhat rooting for James Harden to, to try to pull off a ring here. So uh maybe they can get it done today. But uh, yeah, if 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 Philly loses today, I think it's over with. So yeah, it's definitely over with if Philly can't yeah. win today. I was already lacking faith in the Sixers, you know, with James Harden. You know, I have a lot of respect for him. Look behind me, the, the man's jersey is on my wall. You know, I have a lot of respect for James Harden, but he's not the same basketball player he was in Houston. That's obvious now. He doesn't have a lot of incentive to shoot the basketball as he did in the past. He's a true point guard. James Harden, that's the kind of basketball player he is today. He's not going to go out there and put up 30 every single night anymore. He's just a changed man. So Joel Embiid coming back definitely helps. But he, you know, with all the injuries that he has, they can only do so much in my opinion. I still have the Miami Heat. In the first podcast, I said I had the Heat going to the finals. Really? I did say that. But I have been looking at this man, Giannis, and he is a problem. I knew he was a problem, but – just watching him throughout these playoffs, he's not even more of a problem than I already thought he was. But I just – it's hard for a team to stop that man. Just looking at what they're doing without Chris Middleton right now, I think that he can give them a run for their money. And I hate switching up on my original stances. But, I mean, again, a lot can happen in the playoffs. It's been two or three weeks. So, as of right now, I can really see Milwaukee winning that series in six or seven against the Heat. And I think they'll ultimately face the Warriors, as I said in my original podcast. Now, the Warriors, a team that's already outstanding with their big three as it is, and you had a guy like Jordan Poole, who is coming into the playoffs averaging 23 points over 70, true shooting percentage. That's insane. Like, add that to the Warriors' core, and it's like, what are we doing here? Yeah, they had KD uh, before, but just Jordan Poole coming out of nowhere and doing that is absurd. And then you have guys like Andrew Wiggins, who was an all-star, Shouldn't have been an all-star, but good player is the point I'm getting at. And a guy like Otto Porter, really good uh, role player. That's a deep team. Even Kuminga, like that team is deep. Like I, I, I mean, they're they're missing um Gary Payton the second, but yeah, they're was, missing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was killing it for him. Yeah, he, that was a guy that was locking down Jaw. You know, they're missing him. They're still missing Iggy, even though he's really old. But Iggy's, you know, he knows the system really well. Yeah, that Warriors team, that's going to be tough to beat. But, you know, outside of them, I wanted to jump to the series today that we saw. You know, Luka came out and balled against the Suns. I still think the Suns win that series, but Luka is an outstanding player. I was looking at it today. He scored 655 points in his first 20 playoff games, third most ever behind Will Chamberlain and Michael Jordan. 
shows you how crazy that man Luca is. He's only 22 years old. You know, Will and MJ were 25 at that time. So Luca, he's going to be a problem for years to come. If the, the Mavs ever get a core around that man, it's going to be scary. Hopefully Steven Silas can lure him to Houston, even though it's extremely unlikely. We'll, we'll speak it into existence on, on the Brad and Will show. But, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think they'll beat the Suns this series. The Suns are a really good team. Chris Paul's had two bad games in a row. I expect him to bounce back, and I expect him to take care of business. And they eventually lose to the Golden State Warriors because they're absurd. I, I don't see a team beating them. And if a team does Please. beat them – you, you got the Warriors win the whole thing this year? Yeah, I was going to say, like, if a team does beat them, it's going to be that man Giannis. Or, as I said in the original podcast, maybe the Miami Heat. But just looking at the Warriors again, they just, you know, filled with championship DNA. They know what they're doing over there. Man, it's going to be tough. Nobody wants to see it in the Rockets fan base. I'm very sure of it. But, I mean, hey, that's a good team. I'll give them my respect while the Rockets are tanking. I would not give them respect when we weren't tanking because it hurt my soul to give that team respect. <laughs> That's a good team. I, you know, I give credit where it's due. And I think Giannis can really give them a run for their money, and especially with Chris Middleton coming back and Drew Holiday playing amazing basketball. But, yeah, uh, as a whole, I'll say Warriors and six to win it all. No, I lied. Warriors and seven to win it all. That's going to be a good series. I think that's going to be a historic uh, basketball championship if that happens. But well, anything else to add on that, Will? You nah, disagree yeah. with anything? I mean, yeah, I disagree with um, giving them their respects, like, bro. I ain't, I ain't never giving no Gold State Warriors. I can't, I can't get mad at that. I can't get mad at that. I ain't never. Maybe, maybe when Steph retires, I respect their greatness. But and until that happens, I'm good. I'll even say this: you know, when it comes to the Warriors and them winning more and more championships, that could be better for you know the Rockets' legacy. You know, with them losing in 2018 and all of them times to the Warriors, the more the Warriors win, you know, you could say, oh wow, they lost to a team that. Won all these championships. I think it's already three championships. Say it's five or six at the end of the day. Oh, they lost a team that won six championships. So I'd, give credit I'd, I'd throw up, bro, if, if Steph Curry <laughs> wins another championship. That would, I hear you. That would I think, know. I think from a longevity standpoint, even with James Harden's legacy, people are saying James Harden's legacy is cooked. I was like, I was thinking, I was sitting here thinking about it. maybe the only thing that could help his legacy is the Warriors, you know, continue, continue to win championships because, you know, James Harden already lost to the best team ever assembled. And when you're looking at it in the grand scheme of things, he lost to a team that won five, six championships, you know, with Steph, Draymond, and Clay. But I don't know. I'm you know just that, over here speculating. Go ahead. That's interesting, though, because one thing I was thinking about before the Sixers series started, because this is, you know, when, when the series started, Embiid was not playing. And so, like, everybody right. in the world knew uh, the weight of the series was on James Harden's shoulders, right? If James Harden performed and was the, was honestly, like, I think if this was Houston James Harden, they would be up 3 0 right now and not down to potentially, right? so, potentially, yeah. Yeah, I think Houston James Harden makes light work at his team. Um, but but my, my you know my point was though was like the weight was on his shoulders and people were saying like this is a legacy game for James Harden, it's a legacy series for him. In my opinion, this series it does it definitely does not help his legacy and he doesn't get like if they somehow win this series, there's no I don't I know the Harden fans are gonna do it, but this series does not um, aid his his legacy it doesn't help him right but he also doesn't lose anything right like if they lose a series it, it in my opinion his his legacy is not impacted by th- this outcome of this series. like I, I know this is a a controversial take but i i truly do believe that james harden is just not healthy right now i i think his hamstring is still bothering him he's nowhere near as explosive not even you know i know he's not as the, the same level of explosion he had when he was in houston but even if you look at where he was um in Brooklyn, right? He's not even that player no more. Like he's regressed to a 
I mean, you know, I mean that we've seen before, right? That's one thing I've always talked about with the James Harden trade. I mean, uh, the James Harden um, struggling, right? Is that right. we've we're in charted waters before. We saw the same kind of player arc play out with Chris Paul when um Chris Paul tore his hamstring or was inventory pulled his hamstring um in 2018, right? Like he pulled his hamstring 2018, uh 2019 came back and he missed a bunch of games that season. And then when he did play, didn't look, you know, there was there was a about two bad games for every good game he played that year. The postseason right. uh was really rough. I mean we're gonna get my man Roosh on the show because this is one thing he wants to debate about. But you know, the one thing that, you know, I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of Chris Paul after the 2019 playoffs, man. He he really let me down that year. So, um, you know, and I, at that point in time, I'm thinking this man was washed. I'm thinking, you know, Father Tom caught up to him. He's on his way out the league. He took a year off, recovered, and he's right back. He's, I mean, arguably he's better than – well, I'm going to say arguably he's better than James Harden right now. Like He, he is better than James Harden right yeah. now. And so if, you, if we're going to say, you know, James Harden has the same injury, right, Give him that year off, like Chris Paul had. Give him the off season. Give him till next season to to rehab and recover. And I'm willing to bet that the version of James Harden we see next year looks a lot better than the version we're looking at right now. Right? I'm not saying he's going to be Houston James Harden. He may not even be Brooklyn Nets James Harden. But he's not. I I just don't see a world where he comes back next season missing layups and floaters and shooting thirty percent from the field in games. I I don't think that's going to happen. So that's where I'm at with the James Harden stuff right now. Yeah, last thing I'll say with Chris Paul, I mean, him coming out that last game six against the Warriors in the semifinals in 2019, shot three from 11 from the field. So you can see why James Harden wanted to push him out impatient, wants to win a ring in the grand scheme of things. You really wish the Rockets kept that man and did not trade for Russell Westbrook. I wonder where the Rockets would be at right now if that never happened. But yeah, so with James Harden, though, if he can take care of his body, maybe go vegan like Chris Paul did, then you know, maybe we'll see James Harden that we used to see back in Houston. But that's all I have to talk about with that topic. Uh, Will, did you want to add anything else? No, nah, man, that summed it up, man. All right. Well, that concludes this episode. If you're still with us, we thank you for oh, watching please. the entirety of the episode. Yep, episode three. If you haven't already, make sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel to see more. And yeah, just make sure uh, for the podcast, Brado and Will, you can see that on Instagram and Twitter at Brado A-N-D Will. For myself, it's Brado NBA on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Brado NBA. And for Will, I'll let you plug your stuff. Yeah, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff at Bias Houston. Um, make sure that you like, like Brad said, like, subscribe to the channel. Um, wherever you want to get your your podcast, Apple, Spotify, whatever. Make sure you you, you like and subscribe over there as well, uh, so you never miss out on a beat from um, you know the show. It's just getting started, but we got a lot of um, a lot of interesting guests lined up for the for the listeners these next definitely, couple of weeks. Definitely. So yeah, we're gonna hopefully sh- surprise a couple of you guys with who we get on the show, um, but. Without further ado, like like Brad said, man, I appreciate you guys um, and your time listening. Um, it's a good episode, and we will see you guys next week. Yeah, appreciate you guys coming in. I wanted to add the outro. I have to memorize that. It's kind of hard, but I'll get it down for the next one. But we have a lot of guests, a lot of fun ones, as Will said, coming up. So, yeah, we're going to kill it, guys. Just make sure to tune in, and we'll be back again next week. But you guys take it easy, and we'll be back. Peace. Peace.